to How Have You Not Seen That? My name is Crossman. I'm Charles. I'm Wilson. This is a podcast where we talk about films that we have not seen. Uh, usually this is like just movies from history that are big or important or popular and we missed it for whatever reason. <laughs> Charles, last week you admitted to have not, not never seen Amelie. Tell us about it. Uh, Amelie is a French film. It covers the beginning of the life of this girl named Amelie and the circumstances that led to her becoming kind of introverted and quirky. And one day she finds, by just pure happenstance, she finds a box of memorabilia hidden in her apartment um, that she realizes is from like 40 years earlier. And she decides to set out and find the person who left it there. Uh, and reunited with un, reunited with them, just kind of do a good deed. She eventually is successful, and in doing so, uh, kind of reaches out and connects with the people in her community. Um, whereas before, she was very introverted and reserved. After this goes really, really well, she she successfully um, reunites the person with the box, and it has a really big emotional response, and you know, really happy stuff happens. She decides that she wants to, you know, go around and help the people around her and make the world a better place and all that. Um, so she kind of goes around and interacts with the people around her and kind of gets them out of their shells and uh, improves their lives in various ways. Um, but uh, she keeps randomly encountering this guy at these photo booths and uh, falls in love with him. Um, but she can't get out of her own introverted shell and needs to be kind of pushed out of it. So she keeps trying to meet up with this guy but like kind of backs out of it um, every time uh, until eventually... Uh, her neighbor kind of pushes her to just go for it, uh, and she does, and um, they get together, uh, and uh, that's where the movie ends. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, what did you think of it? Uh, I quite enjoyed it. I thought yeah. it was um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was kind of a it felt kind of refreshingly optimistic. Mm -hmm. I guess um, it was weird how how much see like. I, I was enjoying what was happening in the movie, and I felt like a lot was happening. I was surprised by how much movie there was left. Like, sure. I checked, like, how long there... I, I, mm -hmm. Like, I was halfway in. Um, I wasn't... This is not to say that I was, like, bored, but it's just so dense with, yeah. like, how much stuff was happening. Um, so it was kind of interesting to notice that, I guess. Um, I appreciate the um, artistic style of the movie. Maybe mm -hmm. the most distinctive aspect of the movie is... Um, its color palette. Um, now, my personal aesthetic taste uh, doesn't align with the look of the movie, <laughs> I would say, because it might be too much color. And I'm a big fan of color, but in moderation, sure. I suppose. Because in every scene, everything is washed over with um, various tones of orange or green or etc. It, it, it looks like how Breaking Bad shoots Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is a little orange. Yeah, exactly. A lot of it looked like, you know, an early 2000s music video. <laughs> lots of crazy shots, lots of color. And I think I would have appreciated maybe a bit of neutral colors just to give your eyes a rest. Sure. But I can appreciate what the movie was going for. <clears throat> um, I feel like this movie has a very, I guess you'd call it a maximalist yeah. aesthetic. Uh, a lot of people are into that kind of thing where, you know, you, you like coat your walls with color and like tons of photos mm -hmm. and all that little clippings and, you know, you coat your fridge with magnets and all that. This is kind of like the movie version of that. Like, you know, there's tons of colors, there's tons of different kinds of shots, um, lots of different techniques um, for conveying information that aren't consistent throughout the movie. Um, so it's just like... You know, kind of a lot going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all in all, just a very, very fun and endearing viewing. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a sweet movie. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's charming. Yeah, it's charming. Yeah. That's the word that always comes up with when it's charming. Have you seen this one before? Robinson? Yeah, for Which, sure. When did you see it? When it came out. <clears throat> oh, yeah? Yeah, it was really. It was big. a huge hit. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a big, big old deal. Um, I think it's actually the biggest French movie outside of France or something. That's like probably that. true. Yeah. It's got to be true. I feel like I was reading that. But yeah, it was, it was a huge. Yeah, and I remember mm -hmm. getting it on like DVD or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's I, I I remember renting it at one point along the line. Yeah, um, which so it had to be a little while ago because you don't <laughs> rent DVDs anymore. Yeah, uh, but I hadn't seen it since then, so this was probably my first viewing of this movie in over ten years. Yeah, it's same. It's been a minute. <clears throat> yeah, so um, but, but my memory of it was very broad. It was like this, like you said, this warm, 
colorful, like quirky, endearing movie. Like, yeah, that was basically it. I didn't retain that much about like what actually happens in it. Mm -hmm. um, probably because like it's very plot dense. There are so many. Oh yeah, like threads it's and people and things. Kind of complicated. Introduced for such a lighthearted movie. Right, there's a lot of stuff. Um, what do you think of this one, Crossman? Yeah, I I liked it. I, I think it's hard to dislike this movie. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, where it's yeah. like. You really have to have like be real either be really annoyed by it, which, which is I, could I can see, see how someone would yes. be. Yeah, I could definitely see that. But like, if you're just like, you just have it on. It's so inoffensive to yeah. uh, like as a film that <laughs> mm -hmm. it would be hard to be like angry about it. I right. Think. Yeah, well, and it's so like pointedly doesn't add up to anything, right? Like it's kind of just sort of some things that happen, and I don't necessarily there's mean character that, development. Yeah, I don't mean that in a derisive way, really. Yeah. But it like it's it's not coming here with like. A purpose, right? Or sure. like some big thing that it's, it wants to say. It's just like here's a nice weird little girl, and like I really like that I'm French, right? Like that's yeah. what, that's what the so movie's French. about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, the major conflict is just really that she's shy, right? Right. Yeah. And, and it's she just kind like, of isn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that's that's the whole thing. Oh, uh, which like I think if you're like a shy person, then it's probably like a really good film for. Her. You. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it's I got mean, a good message. And frankly, a lot of film people are that, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. If, and if you're, like, like, this is a good, and I think it's been cited frequently as like a good gateway foreign movie. Right? Mm -hmm. like for I think for a lot of people, this is like the first movie they watch with subtitles. Yeah, you practice like reading those subtitles, right? <laughs> and frankly, there's a lot of them. So yeah. Yeah. But it's oh, it, it, goes, it goes so fast. Yeah. 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 It's so it's very speedy, but just in the sense that it like. Kind of moves and looks like a Hollywood movie in a lot of ways, and I think a lot of people find that accessible. And to the film's credit, yeah, like, nothing wrong with that. But I think that there are a lot of like film people that probably do identify as kind of shy and weird and quiet, and they yeah. find this, you know, movie about a idealized foreign place that they can like mm -hmm. get into very easily. And I think the movie fits in that space for a lot of folks. Um, you know, in, in the same way that like a Wes Anderson movie does, something like that. Yeah, it's very Wes Anderson-y. <clears throat> it's very Wes Anderson. I thought that too, yeah. yeah. I, I think Wes Anderson would be a little more, um, a little more uh, restrained with the color palettes, but it's got that same sort of quirky feel to right. it. Right, it, I think Wes Anderson is more appointed with his, yeah. with his set design, right? Like he seems very purposeful in every little weird object that he has out, where it, I feel like this movie is kind of throwing a lot of stuff at the screen, mm -hmm. um, which is fine. Uh, but in terms of just the tone of it and the, the characters, like all these people feel like they could have been in a Wes Anderson movie and it would have been fine. Mm -hmm. um, and yep. and like the, um, the the anachronisticness of it, I think is very of a piece. It's very timeless. Yeah, yeah, and it is. And like I mean, he points to specific dates and ages and things like that. But yeah. in terms of the look of this, yeah, it's timeless is the right word. Um, I guess I, they, they do reference the Princess Diana. That's when she finds the little box. Event, yeah. Yeah, Princess D, as they say. <laughs> <in> the, <laughs> the <ED. laughs> as they say in this one. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, in a sense, it's a period piece, right? It takes place in 97, yep. was made in 2001. <laughs> um, what do we think of the, the lead performance here? Um, so that she, she's on screen for most of the movie. She kind of drives what's going on here. Um, and she does it with not very much dialogue. How, how do we feel about that? Yeah, I think that's like the most impressive. <clears throat> part just, yeah she doesn't like to say much <laughs> no it's yeah. a lot of she, she has to carry the film she has to make her character endearing or else none of the rest of the film works mm -hmm. um and she succeeded really well with very little dialogue i mean you, you get a lot out of just like her eyes yes she's very expressive yeah yeah um audrey tattoo i think is how you say it it's a borderline mime performance <laughs> yeah frankly yeah. yeah it really is um, and, like, the camera is so close to her so frequently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Like, there aren't very many medium shots of this act, this character. It's a lot of just, like, close-up, almost extreme close-up of her just, like, reacting to stuff. And they use, like, almost like a fisheye lens in some yeah. of the scenes, too, to make it, like, even more, like, yeah, distorted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think there's just a lot of mixed, mixed styles that are used throughout the movie, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes used just once, um, so it, it gives the movie a very kind of... I don't know, frenetic feel, very inconsistent feel. Or like there's an eclectic quirkiness to it, right? Like that yeah. it's like random and fun and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, right? so you, yeah. Like you have one sequence where she's like doing something or other in the kitchen and expecting the guy to approach and it like comes in like a pop-up screen. Yeah. Right? And like 
that's the only time they do that. Right, <laughs> that's what I was kind of thinking right. of. They do that once. They they do some CGI of her like yeah, room decorations. Yeah. Uh, she looks at the camera a few times yeah. in the movie. You know, various random things like that. Um, I think it's supposed to be a representation of her active imagination. Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. But and I think that. The CGI isn't good, right? Like, it doesn't look good. <laughs> it hasn't It does its job. It hasn't aged well, but I think it kind of works here, weirdly, because it looks cartoonish, right? Yeah. Like, the critique of That's what I of CG and, like, the Star Wars prequels or whatever yeah. is that they look like a cartoon and, like, they look weightless, you know, and it's supposed to be this, you know, war, right? But in here, it's, like, it's supposed to be a dream, right? Like, it's yeah. supposed to be fantasy and light and, like, you know, unreal and things like that. So, like, the bad CGI... <laughs> ends up kind of functioning in the film. And I think that, I don't know, sure. that almost certainly wasn't intentional, but yeah. it ends up working anyway watching the movie 20 years after the fact, um, which is which is neat. Like, that, that's, yeah. that's fun. Yeah. Um, so what I was, so I was, like, trying to find a message in this movie, sure. right? Like I said, like, what is this movie actually <laughs> doing? Like, what, what, what was it talking about? Because it does kind of just end, right? Yeah. Like, she finds the guy... They drive off on his weird motorcycle thing. It's very French. It's very, and that's what I got to, is that it's very French. Yeah. yeah. And that it is very concerned with a specific, hyper-localized, idealized version of France. Yeah. Right? Like, there are so many French tropes and signifiers and signals like a, in this. accordion. Yeah, like, like the accordion-driven yeah. soundtrack. Yeah, right. Like many long sections of this movie are just like people hanging out in a cafe, right? Like you have these, you know, street vendors, you know, selling produce on the sidewalk, right? Like all of the apartments and interiors and things like that. It so it seems like this movie that really is is looking backwards a lot. And it literally is in the sense that it was made in two thousand one and takes place in nineteen ninety seven. Mm. But it seems to be really concerned with preserving this idealized notion of a of a France that, you know, maybe was never really around, maybe, maybe never existed in the way that it did, um, and kind of like hermetically sealing it. Like this movie seems to like not want to interact with anything outside of its, you know, constructed space. And I wasn't exactly sure what to do with that, um, but mm. I think it's in the movie, and I think that it... It, 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 there's like a falseness to it, right? <clears throat> that that feels a little put on. I don't know. Did we, did we get that sense of like a, like this being hyper constructed? I mean, it's it's about French culture, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, it's about a a very specific like romantic version of like a Parisian. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, specifically Parisian. Yes. Yeah. That's true. Um, you think that's kind of how they see themselves, or? Well, it's only how this director yeah. wants to experience his country. Sure, I think, right? Like, I think that's the sense of it that you get—that mm -hmm. he, it, it, he, he wants the, like, platonic ideal yeah. <laughs> of a romantic Paris, um, and <clears throat> whether or not that—I mean, I'm not French, like I don't know—but whether or not that actually exists is, I think. Dubious. I think if you're going to critique the movie, I think it would be the one place where you'd like start. Yeah, where yeah it's I think like, that's where you dig in. It's like too nice of a depiction of Paris. <laughs> right, right. And, and like French culture. And, and that's not necessarily a, uh. a bad thing or like a major flaw with the movie. But I think it does speak to the director's perspective and like how he was he was coming into this and like what his intents were, intent was coming into this. Um and I guess, I, I'm, yeah, I'm still not exactly sure what to do with that fact and, like, that read, uh, but I think it's there, mm -hmm. right? Whereas you compare to Wes Anderson, which I think is the closest point of comparison here, too. And actually, I Googled this movie a little bit, and when Film Comment was writing about it back in 2001, uh, Royal Tenenbaums was on the cover. <laughs> and, like, that, that's what's that issue where this movie appeared. So, like, they're kind of concurrent with one another. I was wondering about that. Right. And, and, and so, like, it, that was, what, Wes Anderson's second, or his third movie, I think. Mm -hmm. So, like, he was known at this point. He was a known quantity. And, but I think Wes Anderson, like, finds space to critique, you know, things like wealth or, like, the, or manners or, like, an ideal, idealized memory. I think he does kind of find some crevices in there, especially in um, Royal Tenenbaums and Grand Budapest Hotel later on. And this movie isn't interested in that. Mm -hmm. Right, like I don't think this movie is saying like this girl has an idealized 
a notion of what's going on around her, or we have an idealized notion of what France is supposed to be like, or whoever was like. He's just saying, like, wouldn't it be great if this were always what it was? Isn't this fantastic? Um, and, you know, to me that feels a little naive. I, I think there's a naivete in this movie. Or a, a, a stridently idealistic. Mm -hmm. I mean... There's nothing in this movie that, like, su suggests what I'm about to say, but, like, <laughs> like this... Just make some shit up. Yeah, <laughs> this, like, <laughs> this, like, modern, like, mm, uh, it, like, really hesitate to, like, go here, but, like... <laughs> we can always Like, modern, like, French <laughs> culture and living like this, so it's very idealized, right? Yes. That is, bu like, built on France's, like, colonial... Past. Like yeah, the, the wealth of like France and Paris in particular is built on their colonialism in Africa. Yeah, and the and, Caribbean and, yeah. and and the French Canada. admit this. I think I, I don't know mm -hmm. if I'm misquoting him, but I'm pretty sure Macron said like if we don't if we get rid of our colonial Holy heritage, God. we would not be wealthy. And it was like Yep. I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm probably slaughtering it and he might not even been the person that said that. But like <laughs> Someone in a place Whoever of power. Was right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, someone in a place of power in the French government kind of like let the cat out of the bag that like, yeah. hey, all this is really nice because of, you know, our wealth is built on the global south. Right. Well, and, and but, this is, a, a, yeah. again, like Wes Anderson, very white movie, right? Like yeah. you, you have the one kind of like, you know, simple shopkeeper assistant who is... He's Moroccan. Right, yeah. yeah. Is, do they say that in the movie, that he's Moroccan? No, but the I believe the actor's No, the, act, the actor guy is Moroccan. Okay, yeah. so he's yeah, presented as, like, you know, not white in, in any sense. Um, but that's it, like that. that and it's, yeah. it's 2001, so, like, of course. Um, but also it's like, of course the one guy that would be representative of French colonial past is, like, the simple, you know fruit vendor mm -hmm. <laughs> who just wants to sell his fruit and like that's kind of it yeah and the movie doesn't like touch us at all but it's kind of like because of it, the, because of that the, the, the film premise. is able to like not touch it right yeah it's, yeah, it's yeah. probably one of those things yeah, yeah. Um, and, and just yeah. that like there's the sense that everybody has a lot of free time here yeah right like, <laughs> like, it's, it's a you know, socialized state you can yeah. you can be a painter and like Right, hang out in your that apartment. dude is just like in the cafe. The the one who's recording all the yeah. time. He just like sitting there. I'm like, don't you have somewhere to go? No, like, don't you have to work? Apparently not. Yeah, and she seems to show up to serve coffee like when she feels like it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like it's yeah. just that was uh, like the lives of others is very reminiscent of that. Right? Sure. Like the guy could be a playwright. And yeah, it's just and like and it's, how nice that you just, like you can live in a society where you're a playwright. You're just a playwright. Yeah, yeah. he's just like reproducing the same Renoir painting over and over and over again yeah. until he gets it right. And it's like, what is, how? Like, how are you financing this? Um, and I, I think that, I don't think France is actually like that. I don't know, I'm not, I'm not French. No. Um, but it, it is, again, this kind of idealized version of Paris where it's like everyone just kind of floats around the city and they like have their miscellaneous artistic pursuits. Well, and I'm sure that, I mean, this is true at the time, but it's even more true now that like, the, whoever wrote this, like, Paris is destroyed by tourism. Yeah. Like, when you walk around, you just meet Americans and Australians <laughs> and Germans. And, uh, yeah, it's a city for tourists. It's too expensive to live there because Airbnb has destroyed the city. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so uh, I mean, what, what else is there to say? It's you know, basically it's, a theme park. It's love to death, yeah. Yeah, uh, which is. Because of movies yeah. like this, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's probably true. This and like an American in Paris and you know so yeah yeah it's a well filmed yes. city yeah correctly but yes yeah um, so yeah I guess it's kind of predictive in that sense right like there are probably you know native Parisians who do mourn for a pre Airbnb version of Paris <laughs> yeah and there's a lot of um, and this is really far afield of the movie, but uh, there, there's there's like a lot of like false history that French people believe as well that mm -hmm. like that sort of like permanent France doesn't exist. Like the states of France didn't come together until like the 1800s. French was not the official language until like the late 1800s, yeah. I think. Mm -hmm. um, similar to the way that like Americans see America as like a, a permanent thing as being a totally false history that we're we're taught. So yeah. 
Yeah. So this sort of like very nostalgic, like per perfect view of of uh, Paris and, and France is like it's a lie. It doesn't yeah. exist. So that's what film is, right? Yeah, not, not so. just not just perfect, but static, right? Like it's it's fitting that this movie is shot with that, yeah. you know, orange overlay and the, yeah, because yeah. it looks like amber, right? It yep. looks like this thing that's been preserved. And I think that's really what it's striving for. And it for. says it's like slightly old, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. Well, they, they might not be like harkening back to like an eternal civilization or anything like that, but at the very least, they harken back to the peak of Paris, which is probably like the late 1800s. And you can see that reflected in the guy who's painting the Renoir painting yeah. over and over. He's yeah. just reliving that time of Paris, right? And you look there, and a lot of the city looks exactly the same as it did in the late 1800s. They, they don't want to veer away from that, ar that architectural style. They built like one skyscraper and then like everybody hated it and so they're not doing that anymore. <laughs> There's just one like big black skyscraper that's like sticking out. Tear it down. And that's why it's set it. around the Louvre and like, <laughs> right. yeah. which is the most touristy area in, yeah. in France. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and, yeah. And, and there is merit to that, right? Yeah. Like there is merit to preserving uh, like a, a space's culture and its history, and that's something that New York has failed to do on many occasions to yeah. the city's detriment. Yeah. Um, and so, they're, they're, like, that is not a criticism. No. I, I don't think. Um, but it is also certainly true that this yeah. that this is a place very concerned with its history, very concerned with its past. Um, and it's also that I think part of that a lot of what modern European and frankly world history really turns on, occurred literally in France, literally in Paris, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's worth preserving, perhaps. And I, I'm sure it does loom large in the consciousness of uh, native Parisians and, and the French. Um, so, yeah. Um, I mean, if we're, if we're still talking about, like, messages in this movie, sure, yeah. I could peel back to more simplistic messages, I yeah, guess, yeah. things that don't talk about, you know, the, the Parisian people. Um, but there's a lot of like nice little little messages about like how to live life, I guess, mm -hmm. right? And they, they talk about like appreciating the little things and you know appreciating what you have in life and not letting it just go by by being com complacent. Uh, little things like that that I thought were very heartening, I yeah. guess, and like very refreshing to see, right? And like they're not new messages or anything like that, but it's still nice to see. Yeah, well, I I think if, if we're getting back to text, which is yeah. probably good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, to me, what I found most interesting or thorny, perhaps, in this movie is that it kind of plays with the value of truth. Because right? mm -hmm. a lot of the like stuff that Amelie does to help people or to bring them to a certain place is based on a lie, right? Like, yeah. she makes up that letter uh, like just basically out of whole cloth for that woman, um, that her landlady or whoever it is that lives below her, um, the uh, getting that guy his toy box at the beginning of the movie. Like it's not really a lie, but it's like he kind of, she kind of gets there through subterfuge or like tricking him into going into that phone booth, like sure. stealing the the gnome so that it travels around the world and just like not telling her dad about it. And so like, the movie is kind of seems to be dealing with this idea that if you are misleading people or you know tricking them or something like that if you're doing it for some noble end it's okay mm -hmm. or at least if you know worth it in a sense same thing like the the relationship that she engineers between the creepy recording guy and the the hypochondriac tobacco salesman saleswoman um, and I guess that it, it seems to be striking at this idea that yeah, that almost the ends justify the means. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> that like she, she has to do this, but it's resulting in something good for these people, and therefore she she's right to do it. Um, and I guess I, I, I again wasn't sure what to do with that, but it's kind of a yeah. I mean that, that's idea. a that's a very it's a very debatable thing. Right? Yeah, I mean like for for cases like the woman who got the letter, like I yeah. think her life has been drastically improved. So Certainly. I mean like you look at that, and maybe that's worth it. You look at her basically torturing the grocer guy and like he's an asshole but like right. it's kind of messed up right yes. like i was like whoa there's a lot that happened to that dude yeah like that's some like pretty severe trauma that he yeah. might, must be going through yeah right? so that's like a little much um so it's kind of mixed it's kind of a mixed bag yeah well and and then she has the relationship that like looks like it's going to work out between the guy with the recorder and the, the woman at the store and then it like kind of turns south 
That's yeah, like, oh. and you have to remember that the, the guy is just like a he jealous sucks. asshole, yeah. and that's not going to change, right? Right, like he's a proto MRA or something. I think that's something that I appreciate about the movie, though, is that it's like mostly an optimistic movie, but not everything works out for sure. the best, yeah, and so right. that makes it feel less patronizing. I, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that that, that, that seems true to me. But it, it, it kind of like presents this idea and then like doesn't bring it anywhere. Right, like it doesn't. Like you don't think that she's learned a lesson because this thing has failed. Right, but, it, like but the, it's always going to work. Right, but the out. point of the movie isn't that she didn't learn a lesson. The point of the movie isn't that she did not learn a lesson. It, it's just mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, here's some things, right? Like, sure. here's, <laughs> here's, <laughs> here's some stuff, and like some of it worked out, and some of it didn't, and it's not even about like the ambiguity of it either. Sure. So I, I think that yes, this movie is very sweet, it's very warm, it's easy to watch, and I think that as a gateway into foreign or French films, great, like that's a very good thing. Um, but I wish there were a little bit more meat on the bones. Sure. Right, I wish there was a little bit, because like, I, I feel like the table had been set, and mm-hmm. he just kind of was like, well, maybe they just drive off. <laughs> and like, that yes. was that was it. Um, and that... I mean, I think the movie does what it wants to do, and it yeah. doesn't strive for more, and I think that's fine. Right, and, and I think so too, but it, it's a shame that that's, yeah. it kind of stops short a little bit. I think Wes Anderson's figured that out, yes. too, mm-hmm. in his films, where there's always like some real high-stakes moment mm-hmm. in the film, and usually one that's like very tragic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important that like each of his films like has that moment to show that... like. No matter if you're trying to do the right thing all the time, like something bad is going to happen, and how you like recover from that is like the lesson that like all of his characters right. learn. Right. Right. And I'm sorry, continue. And here, there's no like that. Like high stake is just that she like asks this guy out. And, yeah. Right. Like in a Wes Anderson film, it's like someone dies. Or, like, right. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so, yeah. I, I, or I, someone I, is dying. And, and it's okay for the stakes to be more personal or sure. lower in a sense, but. There is there aren't really consequences either, right? So like mm-hmm. when she does the thing that's questionable or when it doesn't work out. So for instance, the, the clear example I think is the relationship with the the two in the, the diner there. Like when it turns out that guy's a huge creep, like not only does Amelie not suffer any consequences for like engineering this relationship in a way that was really probably not very ethical or didn't work out mm-hmm. very well, um, <laughs> she doesn't even like express or seem to feel any kind of remorse or responsibility for it. Um, and mm-hmm. again, that is, it, I don't think the movie is doing that intentionally. I'm not, I don't mm-hmm. think it's about like, oh, Amelie is a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I think what, the, the, it just doesn't occur to the filmmakers here to like do anything next. It's just like the story is over now and it moves on to the next mm-hmm. thing. Um, and, you know, that's a shame. And whereas Wes Anderson, like you said, he is going to say, say like, oh, the, there was a suicide attempt and, you know, Something happens after that, yeah, right? I'm, this guy was shot, and there's something that happens after that. Mm-hmm. You kind of get a bit of that with uh, her mom dying. It's not the same thing, right? And it's like right at the beginning of the movie too, yeah. right? So it, it it feels less like consequences and more like setup, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's certainly because it's just like here's the the info dump. <laughs> well, it, it's telling that like the crux of the movie is like whether or not she like finds her own relationship, right? And all we see is just that like the very beginning of their relationship right and like we don't like maybe it works out poorly we don't know anything about the guy yeah yeah they don't talk yeah they never exchange dialogue it's just all through like these like pictures and letters and that's like the real crux of a relationship is not when you meet somebody is yeah whether or not you can like be with that after yeah Yeah. Yeah. but Um, I mean the important part was getting her out of her shell so that she could even try this in the first place yeah Yeah. Um, I think that brings me to the next thing that I was reminded of watching this movie is that it definitely seems like a manic pixie Dream Girl situation, right? Did like, this come up before that was a thing? It, it was right around that era. It was probably, okay. I think it came up before the term was coined. Yeah. But I think that uh, in many ways, Amelie fits that mold. Probably a big example of that. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, the diff, the clear difference here is that she's the main character, whereas in something sure. like Garden State, she's Natalie Portman's a supporting character. But in terms of just the like aesthetics of Amelie and uh, like how she moves about in the space, it seems sure. like a lot of Manic Pixie Dream Girl stuff. She kind of goes after a Manic Pixie Dream guy, right? Right. Like, he's so quirky. He, he collects people's photo booth <laughs> mm-hmm. photos and right. puts them into this and album. And I just can't connect, you know? Isn't it, yeah. isn't it cute and isn't it weird? <laughs> um, and I think this movie is... It, it, there must have been something in the zeitgeist at that moment. 
Yeah. That, that caused all this stuff to kind of come together at the same time. They all started making them at the same time. They this did. is a pre-9-11 movie. <laughs> barely, but yes. <laughs> Very barely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but like Garden State isn't, right? Like that was post-9-11. I think Elizabethtown is post-9-11. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure if that's where what this is turning on. Garden State's so dour. And, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a bigger bummer than this movie. Like it's about a guy with depression who had a suicide attempt. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and there's like mom is a paraplegic and it's his fault. Um, but there must have been something going on that was like looking for these kind of quirky, weird savior girls, like childish, specifically childish savior girls to come along and like show up in a lot of movies. I think it's because you have the like children of the 80s are finally reaching adulthood mm -hmm. at this point, and like they've all just lived through the worst divorces yeah. ever. <laughs> And so their whole conception of, like, marriage has just been, like, totally shattered. And we, we see that in, like, Before Sunset. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. where it's just, like, a normal nuclear relationship is just not possible in this era. Right. So the only thing you can hinge it on is, like, this, like, really quirky game that you have to play to, like, find yeah. someone that's just as weird and as, like, tormented <laughs> as you are. And, 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 like, a return to childhood. Yeah. Right? Like, I think that that's probably a big part of it, yeah. too. It's like, we, we talk about... Gen X and like older millennials, uh, like kind of having this arrested development. I'm like, this is when you would start seeing that, right? Like, they're, yeah. I mean, at this point, I was like entering high school, but like Gen Xers, like mid 80s, early 80s, like are, are just, like you said, entering adulthood. Yeah. And it's like, oh it's, shit, that's. It's that's, like the most like broken generation yeah, it, up to that point. It's terrifying because yeah. like they lived through the, the credit crunch, the, they lived through Reagan era. The, the Reagan era that all their parents were divorcing, and then 9 11 happens. And it's like, oh, yeah, maybe you do kind of want to return yeah. to, like, an idealized, hermetically sealed, yeah. right, version of... It's the first generation whose moms, like, went into the workforce, sure. so they just sort of, like, totally parentless. Yes. And their, like, family units just, like, have been completely destroyed by capitalism and... Name yeah. your thing, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Like, many problems. So, of course, it's a bunch of lost boys that are looking for, you know, a, a childlike female figure to... You know, reassure them that it's going to be okay. Yeah. You know what else comes out right around this era? Fight Club, 1999. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I think just, that. Just the, like, ethos of, like, how how do you be a man after. That's this? what that's the. Yeah. That's when the question. So that movie, like, grapples with. When did the book of that come out? <sighs> late, late 90s, mid 90s, okay. I think. Yeah. About the same time. Yeah. Right. But, like, it captured, you know, collective consciousness, 1999. You know, this movie comes along, 9 11 happens, Garden State comes along, right? Like, Elizabeth Town. That's mm -hmm. uh, that, I think those are of a piece. Yeah. Also, uh, like American Beauty, music that appeals to young men at the time is very angry. Yeah. Like, like, park and shit like that. Yeah. It's yeah. the uh, you know it's the rap, the the rap rock new metal yeah. era, oh, God. and that's just like the the like the one underlying theme of all that music is just being very angry young men. Right. Well, and the other one. Yeah. The other, like, I think, this is not as gendered, but a lot of the mall punk and pop, pop punk comes out around that time as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which is also about a return to childhood. It's also about embracing adolescence, you know, and, like... Or being stuck in it. Right, yeah, exactly. Or, or, or like, struggling to escape it, but also, yeah. like, uh, being afraid to escape it. Yeah. Um, and I think that that also probably... American Pie movies is yeah. the same era, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, like, really in the yeah, zeitgeist, like... It's, like, how do you be... Like, being an adult is unclear. Yeah. And how to do that it's really unclear right and sometimes the answer is like look back four or five years <laughs> look back to 1997 yeah. and be like oh it, w it was better then and if I, we can just preserve what 1997 was like then it, then it'll be okay which is kind of what this movie's doing right like it's placing this guy's you know hometown in amber and saying like you know if, if it was exactly as I remember it and if it can stay exactly as I remember it it's safe it's secure Right, like this is something that we can, yeah. we can hold on to. Whereas, like when you think about it, you're like, oh, actually, that like sucked, and like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like things are horrible now, but it was also pretty bad then too. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> just everything is bad. So all the time. Yeah. So Probably. like looking back, like doesn't help. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm not saying that it, that's a correct thing. To no, do, no, no, no. Yeah. It's right. I'm, I'm saying he's you just remember wrong. the best parts of it. Right? Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's not even not even a criticism, but just yeah. just descriptive. But I think that yeah. A lot of that's here. Cool. Well, I think we figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like we went real deep. Yeah, I think that that's what was going on in the early 2000s and late 90s. Solved. Yeah.
But again, I, I think this is where Wes Anderson's better, right? Because yes. there is a timeless nature to his movies, but he, he does a good job of pointing to that actually it was like kind of messed up then too, and things went poorly for these characters, but you know they got through it. Yeah, and, well, and, like, and that, this obsession with the past and with like holding on to your objects of childhood or whatever it may be is something to move past. Mm -hmm. Right, like look, that's what Rushmore's about, right? Like that he is holding on to Rushmore, holding on to the space, and what he really needs to do to grow and actualize is to stop doing that, right? Yeah, he needs to find a space in this other school that he's in now, right? He needs to graduate, that kind of thing. I um, mean, I think that yeah, Wes Anderson does do a better job of like being conscious of the through line here and like where what is this, what is the arc of this narrative leading to? Um, whereas this movie, I think, kind of stops short. Right, I think mm. that doesn't exactly get there, and most movies don't. So, like, that's fine. Um, but I think it's a little. And again, it's like very slight. French. Where it's like you know, you just find your relationship, and that's and you're yeah. in love, and well, that's I, I, the point. The, <laughs> the, well, but the trope of the French New Wave is that you die at the end, right? Like that's what happens at the end of well, a lot of those movies mm. is that somebody gets shot, and like that certainly ends things pretty conclusively. Um, this movie isn't doing that. Like, that's the French trope this one avoids, is the one where everybody dies at the end. Well, I guess I'm glad. <laughs> that yeah. would have sucked. Yeah, that would have been a, a sharp turn for, yeah. for this film. Uh, have you seen Ronin, Charles? It was a good movie. I have seen it. I've tried to watch it twice, but somehow I don't remember any of it. Okay. It's good. You'd, I mean, it's, it, it's up your alley. Yeah, like yeah exactly. Yeah. That's why I've tried to watch it twice, and somehow none of it stuck. I don't understand. Yeah, no, you'd, How? you'd like it. Try it again. Yeah. Yeah, or pick it for the thing. It's, it's like that movie and Heat. Oh, I've tried so to watch sick. multiple times because I know they're good, and somehow I retain none of them. That's I don't know wild. how that happened. Yeah. Because there's so many like extremely memorable things in Heat. Yeah. Right. Heat. I just remember like the one shootout because I've seen it on YouTube a bunch of times too. Yeah. Well, and that, like the conversation in the diner with De Niro and Pacino. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember that. Oh, it's so good. Where did it go? Yeah, that's too bad. Watch it again. Yeah, Heat's rad. Yeah, Heat's yeah. rad. It's three hours. It's a commitment, but it's it's very good. Um, all right. Well, any um, closing thoughts on Emily? Um, I like it's a charming it's good. movie to watch. Yeah, yeah. it's like. Um, there are worse things that you can watch for sure, and from this era, there are a lot of worse things that you can watch. So I, I forget how this did. I remember. I feel like it was nominated, or it was it, like it, it was nominated for best foreign. Now they, at the time they called it foreign language film, and, the, mm. and now it's international film. Mm -hmm. I was nominated. It did not win. I don't know what. What, what did it possibly lose to? I, I have no idea. Because yeah, it made it's a fortune. Sort of, it was hugely popular. Yeah, I, I mean, it's the Academy. It's it's the Academy. Who the hell knows? But um, yeah, like this movie was a massive, massive hit. And I think that, you know, that's good, right? Like, it, get more people into non-English. I'm, I'm sure it's the first French film I, I saw. Like, I can't imagine. Yeah, probably. I, I saw any other French it, film it's, before this. It's yeah. got to be, yeah. But um, I like this movie. Like, I, I think it's a good movie. Oh, I think it came out the same year as Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, so, there you go. <laughs> there you <laughs> that go. makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> that, but, and that was a monster hit. And a much better yeah. movie. Yeah, like that, and which is a credit to Crouching Tiger, not a criticism of this movie. Right. Crouching Tiger is an amazing movie. Yeah, Crouching yeah. Tiger is sweet. Yeah, and it holds up now. Like it, it's good. Really, you've seen it recently? It, like within the last probably four or five years, I've seen it. And oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a good movie. Um, so yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this movie, I, I think it's a good movie. I think it's easy to watch. It's a pleasure to watch. It's fun. It's light. It like you can see how it leads to you know the, the Wes Anderson. Yeah, which is you know, and pushing good. daisies. It was a huge yes. influence <laughs> on pushing daisies. The show. Yeah, um, yeah. So and and it, it really is legitimately an important movie. Like it, it it was the entryway for a lot of people into watching movies that aren't American made. Great, that's a good thing. Um, it probably still could serve that function very well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like Amelie is good, and people should watch it. Yeah. It felt like a nice dessert. I went in worrying because like there's mixed opinions between people who love it and people who are annoyed by it, and I wasn't right. sure where I'd fall. Right, but I'm more to the former side. Okay, which, that's uh, good. I was I could relieved. See you, I could see you going either way. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I could so easily see you being annoyed by this. Yeah, movie. absolutely. Yeah. I could see you going either way too. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, but you know, it's good to like things. It's, it's nice to it's nice to have things to like. Yes, liking things is better than not liking things. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> glad, glad it came out on the positive side. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. We'll be back in a moment with things we've seen. See you then. 
All right, welcome back to Things We've Seen. This is a segment where we discuss more recent movies that we have seen in theaters or on any of our various streaming services. Uh, what have you seen lately, Crossman? Um, I watched a movie that had been recommended to me called Shocking Dark. What the hell is that? Okay. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Where do you find this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> it was recommended to me. Yeah. Uh, Shocking Dark is from 1989, and what it is is it's an Italian B-movie, mm-hmm. and what they did was they took... Aliens and Terminator and just sewed them together. Damn. And then so it's great. Made a movie called Shocking Dark. Um, it's <laughs> it's pretty bad. Okay. Is uh, it like a Terminator I... versus alien situation? No. They're on the same side? They're Terminator aliens? The aliens <laughs> are kind of the Terminator oh, okay. in in the movie. But it doesn't make sense, so it doesn't okay. one like that. can't describe it in that way. Um <laughs> What's interesting about it is that it's like, um, it was actually marketed marketed as Terminator Two in Italy. <laughs> so very like, funny. Terminator came out, and this guy like shot this movie and called it Terminator <laughs> Two, and then released oh my it. God. And was immediately sued, I assume. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. It's it's from the late eighties, so um, but now it's called Shocking Dark, I think, because of the the name overlap. Um, so it's set in Venice in like an apocalyptic future, and then there's uh, some sort of like in- zombie-like infection that's happening. Okay. Um, and like it's s- now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so the like team like gets assembled, and they like go into this like industrial park to like try and find the source of this like outbreak, and then. Uh, one of the characters, it turns out, they're a robot, and oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> and so they like. Uh, it's essentially the the, the twist and alien. Yeah, the yeah. same. Yeah, twist and alien. Mm-hmm. And uh, but then he is like the Terminator. Oh, uh, okay. So he's not just a, right. a robot that melts and has milk and stuff. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so then the characters like just like an alien, like the the nuclear plant is gonna explode. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so they're like trying to like leave. But then they like go back through a time portal and they end up in like present day Venice. What? And that's like the plot of the movie. Um, what's remarkable about the film though is that they like they reenact like scenes from Aliens. So there's like there's like a Newt character and okay. they like they find her and she's like a little girl and they're like they run after her and like pull her out of the of the piping and mm-hmm. she's telling them about how the aliens are going to come at night and then um, great. The like Terminator character is the one that like traps him in the room with like the the like infection, oh. and then like you see, kind of like the facehugger like alien like try and like attack them. Um, so it's it's this weird like, kind of where they like took a movie and put it into Google Translate and translated it back <laughs> back and forth like a bunch of times. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, a great way to describe. And it's funny to see the like interpretation of like, well, how do we like reshoot that scene in this like context right like uh, this. um and it's it's funny it's like it's like 70 minutes so <laughs> it's it's like a very special episode of yeah on tv yeah okay. yeah it's like someone like kickstarted like a home version of like aliens <laughs> plus terminator okay did yeah. you enjoy this i i thought it was like interesting to watch and to see like <laughs> how it was like interpret like how these like scenes are like reinterpreted sure. into like a narrative that someone like else constructed. Wait, so did the movie end with them in present day Venice? Like that was the end of the movie? Yeah. It sounds like an introduction yes. almost. Or like a set no, So it's set in like the future and like post apocalypse. Yeah. And where like oh, the infection is just like around, I guess. Yeah. So it's and also kind of like 12 monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. And then they go back in time at the very end and they end up in like present day. So Venice. it's like a happy ending because they're in a non-apocalyptic world. Now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hopefully they don't and, have any of that virus on them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just like a weird film and it's interesting to see like B-movies like from another culture and sure, how they just sure. like take like an existing product and like, you know, just like fit it back together into yep. like a slightly different thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I liked it just because it was like weird. Is there a and, sequel? It sounds like it's set up for a sequel. I actually don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe um, it's called something else that I don't know. Yeah, because the way you described it's it, Terminator Three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the way you described it, it felt like one of those movies where they start off in like a future where 
they don't have enough like CGI budget to keep it there, so they like warp them to present. <laughs> like I think that's what Twelve Monkeys was doing, no, that's where they warp them to present day, and you don't have to like have a CGI budget for present you day. You just have Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the budget was very low for the movie. Right. Well, um, okay. It was also funny to see like them. You could see them like combining characters. Okay. Uh, so there's like. In in aliens, there's like the like t- the tough girl with like the big machine gun, and there's like a guy, mm-hmm. and those characters are like sandwiched together in this movie. The same person. <laughs> so she's just like instead of them having like a rapport where they're kind of dicks to each other, but they like each other, it's just like that character being a dick to everybody else, <laughs> <laughs> and nobody likes them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This dude sucks. <laughs> yeah, or like um. Yeah, there's a bunch of, like, weird... Oh, like, Ash and, um... Who's the guy from Mad About You? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, they're, like, the same character in this okay. movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, the evil, like, business guy. And, <laughs> and the robot are, like, combined okay. in, in this one. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. It's just, like, a weird movie, and it's interesting to just, like, yeah. see this, like, translation of... Of culture, yeah. For and, sure. and, and if yeah. people want to watch this one, where can they drag it down? It's on Prime, I think. I'm right. pretty sure I watch it on Prime. Cool. <laughs> yeah, Shocking Dark. It's from Shocking. 1989. Shocking Dark. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I'm definitely not gonna watch that movie. But <laughs> <laughs> I might look up a YouTube. I'm glad you clip. told me about it though. Yeah. yeah. It's so funny that that exists. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Charles and I saw the same movie once again. Yep. Um, for the for this one, what did we see, Charles? We saw Birds of Prey uh, and the long subtitle and with Harley um, Quinn, the on. Fantabulous. Emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Correct. Yes, I would have yes. gotten it wrong. So, <laughs> how did I remember that? Yes. They even renamed the movie to Harley Quinn: colon, Birds of Prey because nobody got it. Yes. They, yes, they did. Um, <laughs> what, what did you think of this one? Or, well, tell the people about it. Sure. Uh, so, in Birds of Prey, um, Harley Quinn breaks up with the Joker. Right. And um, makes like this big gesture to tell the town because nobody believed her. Um, but now. Everyone who had a beef with her is coming after her because she's no longer like going to be protected by the Joker. So she has to like fight them off. Uh, and the big plot is that she has to find this MacGuffin, the this diamond. Um, and there's like multiple people looking for the diamond. Um, and uh, she ends up standing up to like the big mob boss who's trying to kill her. Yeah, McGregor. Yeah, and um, saves like the little girl who had pickpocketed the diamond earlier in the movie and swallowed it. Uh, so she saves the girl, and um, they live happily ever after, I guess. Yeah, this was like a real middle-of-the-road superhero movie for me. Yeah. Like, it just totally hits all the beats. Like, I get what it's doing, that it's like this metaphor about, not even a metaphor, but just depiction of abusive relationships and like how they kind of operate in cycles and how one abuser kind of picks up the same tricks and... How hard it is to get out of language it. Language, and how hard it is to get out of it. Like, they, they repeat themselves, but narratively... Like, it really leans on, like, the charisma of the leads and, like, needle drops. And, like, that's basically what the movie is. Like, mm-hmm. and they almost kind of make fun of it because, like, the MacGuffin is this diamond. But it's not just a diamond. It's a diamond that has, like, some code lasered onto it that yeah. it, it gives you access to a big bank account. <laughs> yeah. Like, this diamond is also, it's you know, a pile of money. It's like mafia family's wealth. <laughs> right. And it, it, it's like, all right, sure. Yeah. I guess the, the McGuffin's a super McGuffin now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but I, I, like, I was, I was sitting there, and like, it's kinetic and it moves fast and it, it like has all these, you know, fourth wall things that superhero movies are doing now. Yeah. Um, but I, I kept waiting for it to be like a little bit, a little bit deeper than mm-hmm. you know, abusive relationships are bad. <laughs> um, and it, it doesn't get past that. It does say that, which is sure good. It does correctly identify the Joker-Harley relationship as abusive, which mm-hmm. is good. Um, and, like, it correctly identifies that it, you know, encourages bad behavior in the abused and, like, a return to a, a different abuser once they do get out of the relationship. Fine. Uh, but I, I kept waiting for it to take another step. And yeah. it doesn't do it. It doesn't I mean, do it. I don't think I went in expecting very much because it seemed like a very strange movie. It's... You know, following up on Suicide Squad, which is just such a disaster of a movie that, like, yeah, and this is just like infinitely better than Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad was just like really bad, and this one's like an enjoyable, typical superhero movie, and like, I had a lot of fun with it, right? And um, like the characters, I enjoyed a lot. Um, The action scenes are very cool. There's lots of like really well choreographed action scenes. Yes. 
um, that I appreciated a lot. Some really wacky moments that like had me going, like, is this really happening right now? Sure. It, it is an R-rated movie, and they they went in with it, That's which true. is pretty cool. They used their F-bombs. Uh, yeah, and like... The one part that really had me, like, losing my shit was when she's in, like, the police, like, um, uh, evidence warehouse, mm -hmm. and she h takes cover behind a bunch of bags of cocaine, and they shoot <laughs> through the cocaine. Yeah. So there's, like, cocaine everywhere, and she, like, gets buffed yeah, up from a, it. That's a beat, yeah. And, and it was so funny. Yeah, and that, that was one of the better action sequences, and the movie does have several good ones, like, yeah. and, and that stuff works. I really liked uh, Journey Small Ball in this, like, she plays Black Canary. Um, mm -hmm. I thought she was good. I remember her from Friday Night Lights, the mm -hmm. show, and like I've been wanting to see her in more stuff, so it's nice to see her in a big budget movie. I think mm -hmm. that she's good at what she does. Um, I wanted to see the three of them together more. I think that's when the movie like started clicking more on the character level. You mean her, Black Canary, and... And, and uh, Harley Quinn. And they kind of keep them separate for the large bulk of the movie. Yeah. And like that, I think, was a... Unfortunate choice because it's supposed to be like this, you know, team, and you don't get it until like the last sequence, basically. Yeah. Um, which seems both like they're just poor choice and like priming it for a sequel, which is always a bad idea. Um, but when they were together, it works, and like the movie is good. Uh, so yeah, I, I enjoyed it when I watched it. I still enjoy it and think it was basically if if you like superhero movies, you'll like this. Um, but I, it also just kind of almost left me as soon as I. Walked out of the theater. It's like, all yeah, right. I guess so. That is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Which is too bad. I think but. my girlfriend appreciated it more because it is like a more, it's more focused on the women. And, yeah, it's and a girl That's not something movie. you see that much in superhero movies. Yep. And so, like, you know, she was very excited about that. It spoke more to her. And I think that's very important to. To, to promote. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And so it's it's kind of a, an absence that we're filling here. Yeah, representation matters. Yep. 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 All right, Craftsman. Jared Leto doesn't appear in this. No Joker not at, at all. all. Not not Leto, not Phoenix, not Nicholson. They just have drawings of like classic like 60s Joker. Right. Something like that. I think the drawings look like him. Yeah, he's mentioned many times, but the actual character never never shows up. Are the events of Suicide Squad acknowledged? They're referenced. Okay. Very briefly. <laughs> you do not need to have seen Suicide Squad to yeah. understand what's going on in this movie. <laughs> let's, let's state that. Don't worry, I've seen it. Oh, okay. Yeah, you don't have to watch it again to refresh. If you want to you do not it. have to watch Suicide Squad again. You don't have to watch Suicide Squad at all, Ever. I think is the, the answer here. Um, what are we watching next week, Grossman? Um I've never seen an, an Elvis movie, and okay. the highest rated Elvis movie is a film called King Creole. Which I had not heard of. Sure, but, me neither. Um, <laughs> but I, just in the interest of seeing an Elvis movie, I've chosen King Creole. Okay. Well, this will be a new experience for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, I think this will be the first time we watched a movie that I literally haven't even heard of <laughs> before, <laughs> before the episode. So that's cool. I, got, I like that. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, if you're liking the show, please uh, share it. Please comment. Please subscribe. We are on iTunes and Facebook and SoundCloud and Google Play. Um, and all easily accessible on an individual level. Um, and join us next week for King Creole.